Hello and welcome to Finch Shots Daily. In today's episode, we talk about a tax jam that shook India's F1 circuit. Before we start today's episode, here's a quick side note from Team Ditto. If you are someone who's great at communication and are enthusiastic to join our team, Ditto is looking to recruit new insurance advisors. So if you're interested or know someone who is, please click the link in the description below and you can enjoy working remotely with a great team. Now, on to today's episode. In 2011, the Formula 1 Grand Prix or the F1 GP made a grand entry in India. The country said hello to the F1 madness with platforms like Book My Show selling tickets worth 1.25 crore rupees in just 3 hours of the ticket sale launch and the hype was so intense that the inaugural GP even garnered 6 times the average rating points than any other GP ever held according to TAM or Television Audience Measurement Sports Survey. And as you would expect all eyes were on Budh International Circuit the 400 million dollar racing arena built by JP Group currently a crisis hit conglomerate a subsidiary of the JP Group backed the F1 hosting and promotional rights for 5 years starting in 2011 but the deal went sour after 3 seasons in 2013 and F1 said goodbye to India for good so what went wrong well it all started with a contract between JP Sports and Formula 1 World Championship Limited or FOWC a UK based company JP Sports was a JP Group subsidiary interested in acquiring the hosting rights for the F1 Grand Prix from FOWC so they signed two contracts one a 40 million dollar race promotion contract and another a 1 million dollar contract that let JP use FOWC's logo trademarks and other intellectual property The 40 million dollar race promotion contract granted JP the right to host, stage and promote the F1 GP. The 1 million dollar contract called the ALA or Artwork License Agreement allowed JP to use certain marks or intellectual property owned by FOWC. Now, you may wonder why hash out two separate contracts when you could have clubbed both contracts together? Well, the answer is actually quite simple. Both JP and FOWC wanted to reduce their tax outgo and to this end they believed separating the two contracts could limit the total tax implication how so well before they paid the tax they approached tax authorities in this case the authority for advanced rulings or aar and sought an advanced ruling on the matter they wanted to know how the authorities would tax these contracts and they made a compelling pitch to voice their opinion it went something like this The massive 40 million dollar contract is neither royalty income nor business income and therefore is not liable to be taxed in India. Now you would think that JP paying a lot of money to host the race and use the intellectual marks owned by FOWC would amount to royalty. But as we noted earlier, there was a separate agreement totaling 1 million dollars that dealt with intellectual property rights. That was JP paying the royalty fee. but the larger 40 million dollar race promotion contract that can't be classified as royalty because the explicit point of the contract was to stage and promote the formula 1 grand prix of india okay if that were the case shouldn't this be classified as business income and therefore be taxed accordingly well jp and fowc had another argument they said that fowc was already paying taxes in the uk So if they had to pay taxes in India again 
that would amount to double taxation. This is something that the two countries have tried to prevent by signing a double taxation avoidance agreement. Therefore, it would be totally unfair to expect FOWC to pay a tax on this income. They also noted that foreign entities pay tax in India only if they have a permanent establishment or PE here, like an office. But FOWC didn't really have an office or even employees deputed to India. So it wanted a total tax exemption on the contract. On the first matter, the AAR ruled that the income would be treated as royalty since JP could only host the race by exploiting intellectual property owned by FOWC. Therefore, they had to treat the $40 million as royalty income. And on the second matter of treating income generated in India as business income, they agreed with JP and FOWC and said that this shouldn't be the case since FOWC did not have a permanent establishment in India. Now, paying tax on $40 million sucks. So JP and FOWC approached the High Court. Meanwhile, the government's revenue department also did not like the ruling since they believed that the entire income should be classified as business income. FOWC earned that money in India by conducting business in India after all. The High Court, though, reversed both rulings by the AAR. It didn't think this was royalty income. Instead, it believed the real question was whether this was business income. As such, it was more interested in figuring out if FOWC had a permanent establishment in India. And even though it had no physical office, in the end, the Honourable Court concluded that all monies earned by FOWC had to be taxed at source in India. Why, you ask? Well, we will let the Supreme Court answer this. Because eventually the matter did go to the Supreme Court and here's what it thought. Even though the FOWC had no physical space through which they operated in India, there was something of significance, the Budh International Circuit. For the duration of the event, as well as two weeks prior to and a week succeeding it, FOWC had full access to the Budh International Circuit through its personnel and the team contracted to it, both racing as well as spectator teams. It could also dictate who was authorized to enter the areas reserved for it. And even though JP was listed as the promoter, FOWC called all the shots, which is why the Supreme Court noticed that the physical control of the circuit was with FOWC and its affiliates from the inception. Omnipresence of FOWC and its stamp over the event is loud, clear and firm. The undisputed facts were that the race was physically conducted in India and from this race income was generated in India. Therefore, a common sense and plain thinking of the entire situation would lead to the conclusion that FOWC had made their earning in India through the said track over which they had complete control during the period of the race. This was a permanent establishment even if it wasn't permanent. Thus, JP and FOWC had to concede and deduct taxes at source. FOWC had to shell out a 40% plus interest on all the income it received from the races it held between 2011 and 2013. But that wasn't the only problem. Even before the court saga, JP sought a customs duty waiver on importing all the sporting equipment needed to facilitate the race. Things like gears, pallets and parts of completed disassembled F1 cars. And they sought these exemptions because sporting events of international importance get a waiver if the sports ministry allows it. It happened during the Commonwealth Games and the Cricket World Cup. 
But when JP requested this benefit, the ministry rejected it. It didn't agree that F1 was purely a sport. It was more like entertainment and a commercial initiative. And when the deals were originally signed, Mayawati was the chief minister of Uttar Pradesh. And her government granted an entertainment tax waiver on ticket sales. But then, these exemptions were erased by her successor, CM Akhilesh Yadav. So in effect, F1 had to leave India with minimal support from the central and state governments, not to forget a huge tax bill. But things have changed over the years. In 2015, the Indian government finally recognized motorsport as an actual sport. That meant it would get government backing for future events. MotoGP Bharat, for example, is hoping to thrive because of this recognition. Will it actually succeed? Well, we will just have to wait and see. Thank you for listening to today's episode. And if you want to share your feedback or suggestions, do drop us an email to hi at the rate finshots.in. Until next time.